I've been sitting uh, here um, praying for some time, and uh, when Kamalali called people forward for prayer, I was praying a bit more. And uh, my question is, God, how does this fit? And Catherine's smiling her head off here. Because <laughs> she knows so well how I work. And uh, it's happened to me before, and I'm always worried about it happening again when God turns around and says, well, I, what I've given you to preach, I don't want you to preach on. I want you to do something else at the last minute. But that hasn't happened tonight, I'm glad to say. <laughs> but I did question him. Um, I'm going to ask Catherine, can you just come forward and just read those scriptures, please? Jesus said to him, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. The second is like this, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets depend on these two commandments. We love because he loved us first. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his fellow Christian, he is a liar. Because the one who does not love his fellow Christian, whom he has, who he can see, cannot love God, whom he cannot see. And the commandment we have from him is this. The one who loves God should love his fellow Christian too. Now by this we know that we have come to know God, if we keep his commandments. The one who says, I have come to know God, yet does not keep his commandments, is a liar. And the truth is not in such a person. But whoever obeys his words truly is a person, the love of God has, has been perfected. By this we know that we are in him. The one who says he re resides in God ought himself to walk just as Jesus walked. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God resides in us and his love is, is perfected in us. Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Because all that is in the world, the desire of the flesh and the desire of the eyes and the arrogance, produces a material, produced by material possessions, is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away with all its desires, but the person who does the will of God remains forever. Everyone who believes that Jesus is, Christ, is the Christ has been fathered by God, and everyone who loves the father loves the, chi the child fathered by him. By this we know that we love the children of God whenever we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments and his commandments do not weigh us down. Because everyone who has been fathered by God conquers the world. This is the conquering power that has conquered the world, our faith. Now who is... Now, who is the person who has conquered the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Thanks, Catherine. Um, I don't know who was here two weeks ago, but uh, two weeks ago I spoke about the commandment that says that we are to love one another. And when uh, God gave me that to preach on, he gave me this uh, first scripture that Catherine read out about the first two commandments, the ones we, that everything's summed up in, to love God and then to love each other. 
And I did question God. I said, this is the wrong way round. Surely I've got to preach about the first one, loving God, and then the second one. And I felt very strongly that God said, no, I want you to preach first about us loving one another. And uh, actually, I think he's taken me further than this. I think um, sometime in the future that I'm going to be preaching on the fact that how God loves us, which actually I find the hardest to, to, to take on board, that how much God truly loves us. And I think the reason God has given me this way, because again, we know through scripture that God is saying to us that unless we love one another, we don't love him. Which is quite a strong point. Also, the fact that it may be hard to love one another, but actually it's even harder to love God who we can't see. Again, this is what Scripture is telling us. If I can't love Mark, how can I love God? I know Mark, I see him, I can get close to him. So if I can't love him, how can I love God? And to turn around and start talking about us loving God... How do we know God loves us? How many people have just been touched here now by what's going on, whether it was directly or indirectly? Just put your hands up. Yeah. Isn't that the love of God? When I was sitting there praying when this was going on, I said, Lord, what's this about? And that's what struck me. God is showing his love. It's not just talk. It's not just words. He's showing it. He's touched you. That's the love of God. I listened to Keith's preach this morning and I felt very strongly that actually what he was preaching about connects with what I was going to preach about tonight. And I didn't know what Keith was preaching. I might have known the area of the Bible, but I didn't actually know what he was going to preach about. And he certainly doesn't know what I'm going to preach about. <laughs> no, no idea. <laughs> I always say he's a very brave man, this man, is he? <laughs> God expects us to love him. What does that consist of? Well, it says we're supposed to love him with our bodies, with our soul, and with our mind. So what's actually he's saying? It's we love him with all of our being. There's quite a few people that get into all sorts of complications over this sometimes because they try to separate each part out so that you can try and understand it. Particularly when you start talking about the soul, there's all sorts of variations what that actually means but the part that God took me to and I felt he was really speaking to me about was actually loving him with our minds now there's a scripture again that really I find um, what's the word convicting and difficult to live up to and it's uh, in Corinthians it's uh, 1 Corinthians 2, verse 16. For who, who has known the mind of the Lord so as to advise him? But we have the mind of Christ. That is a lot to live up to. Now, I'm not saying that I've got there, and I'm not saying everybody here should be there, but it's what we're supposed to be aiming for at least. And what does it mean? It means that our lives should not consist of what we want. It should be what Christ wants. And it means every word we speak and everything we do should be as Christ would do it. 
There was this thing years ago, and I'm sure a lot of you remember it, was what would Jesus do? And it kind of got belittled, but I always thought it was very good. It was simple, but actually that's the question, what would Jesus do? When I first became a Christian, started reading the Bible, I could go through a lot of it. I used to get to James and I was in trouble because I found that James was so direct I couldn't make the scriptures fit my life. Other stuff, I could twist it a bit and say, oh, I'm all right, you know, it means this, means that. But I went and used to go into James and I thought, I can't twist this, it doesn't work. So I used to skip through it pretty quick. <laughs> I love it now. I love directness. I, love, I want to know what God wants. And that's our, often our problem is that we want to know or we do know scripture, but actually there's some of it we push to one side because actually it means we've got to change. But what God is saying to us, we've got to change. When we had our prayer meeting at the back there, one of the things that was spoken about was unity and somebody picked up on the fact that Keith had been speaking about unity this morning. Unity is not us coming together and agreeing on everything. Unity is being in Christ. Because if we've got Christ's mind, we're in unity. Christ is one. So if we're in Christ, that's it. Now, that doesn't mean that we're not going to disagree about things, because I'm afraid we get in the way. But when we do disagree, we need to turn around and say, well, what does God actually want? All of this is expressing our love for God. Now, I, I've actually heard this put in a very simplistic way. This is all I've got to do is love God and love my neighbor or love my fellow Christians, and I'm doing everything right. But actually, it depends what you mean by love, because God's term for love is that we obey his commandments. Now, that gets a bit more work to do and a bit more conviction with it. Are we doing exactly what God wants us to do? Are we on the path that he wants us on? A lot of people aspire to leadership in church. I don't really know why. Um, my question often is, Lord, why do I do what I do? And why actually do I want to do it? Well, actually, the reason I want to do it is because I want to serve God. There is no other reason. But to think that you just aspire to leadership so I can do what I want to do actually is totally wrong. Um, I've said, and I'm probably going to do it one of these days, I'm going to write out a list of the problems me and Catherine have had over this last year, not with the church, outside of it, with the world. Leadership in the world is not even delegating, it's passing on the blame to somebody else. So if you're at the top of the pile, you make sure there's somebody underneath you to blame if things go wrong. And you keep going down the line. Uh, we've had some problems with a car we bought. It was missold. It was misadvertised with a major company uh, in this country. And the man that we've had to deal with in the local place, he's, he's one of these people who's very arrogant and he just thinks he can get away with anything he wants to. Well, I'm annoyed with him because of the way he's treated us and what's gone on, but I actually feel sorry for him in another way because if this matter ends up in court, he will lose his job. And he will lose his job because his company will drop him because they won't want the bad advertising. They'll turn around and say, I'm sorry, you've got to go. 
and they'll put a sign up saying, under new management, and they get over the problem of the fact of what he's done. And it's, it's quite a simple affair, really, because the, the, the whole legal system is, is behind us, because he's, it's falsely advertised. So there's no ifs or buts, but the man has just been silly over it. But he will. He, uh, if, he, if it ends up in court, he will lose his job. I'm pretty certain of that, because that's what the company will do. And we've actually found the parent company, and I sent them an email because I was being mucked about so much, and they've actually contacted him, and all of a sudden I had a phone call in our meeting, didn't I? I was right, it was from him, and I had two emails sent straight after that call, which I hadn't answered because I was in a meeting. And I got home, and he's actually rushing stuff through, because what's happened is the parent company's told him to sort it out. But the parent company hasn't replied to my email directly, and they've given me no information of directors' names or anything. So they're using their authority to isolate themselves and put everything onto somebody else. And that's how the world works. That's not how church works. If you're in a position of any kind of authority in the church, that means responsibility. Now again, why on earth I'm standing up here preaching to you because I've got to answer to God for every word I say. If I really thought about it, I'll go and sit down again. <laughs> but it is my love for God and the fact that sometimes God puts stuff in my heart and I just want to somehow share it with people. I get very frustrated sometimes because I think I can't quite communicate this as the right way so I can get other people to understand. It's like people will say, oh, I've got this, this thing I want to preach about. You know, this is, you know, I really feel this is important. Or they turn around and say, I love this scripture and I want to talk about this. But actually, the question should be, what does God want you to talk about? Now, the series we're doing in the morning, I said to Keith when we first started it, it seems to me as it's following on from the last series we did, which was very prophetic. There's something in it that God is speaking to the church very definitely about. Now, people who preach do it in different ways, even teach in different ways. My way of doing it is different to Keith's. But it doesn't make any difference. As long as God's in it and God's taking it along that path and we're led by God, it doesn't matter how it's done or the way we put things together. It's the fact we've got to be led by God. So if we're in a position of any kind of leadership in the church or teaching, it's not to be about us and what we want. It's got to be about God and what he wants. I have no idea where any of you are exactly with God. I may be able to glean bits and pieces because I know some of you and know part of your walk but God knows far better than I do so I can stand here now and I can say all sorts of things and what I think you may be hearing from me might be something completely different because God takes it and speaks to you the way that he wants to that's what I hope he's doing because that's how I want him to use me If I'm loving God with all my mind, which he's telling us to do, means I've got to use my mind to understand God. That's how I take it. Your mind is used to think things out and to understand things. Well, the truth is, God's very hard to understand because his ways aren't our ways. <laughs> so one of, one of the things I really love is when God does things completely unexpectedly and in a strange way, because that's God because man wouldn't do it, so it's easy to identify it. 
But to love God with all my mind means I've somehow got to not just take the word, I've got to take what the Spirit brings to us and try and understand it, then put it into action. Not to put it into action in the way that I want it to be going to action and not to make it to what I want it to be, but to take it exactly as God wants me to have it. He wants me to have the mind of Christ, and that's a single mind. So somehow I've got to train my mind to get rid of all the rubbish and all the things that I want and concentrate on what he wants. And if I'm doing that, that's part of my loving God. And it's a continuing journey. I know we all, as people here now, and people have said it to me, and I've done it myself many times, why can't God make this simpler? I don't understand what God's doing. Where's he taking us in this? And sometimes that just comes down to trust, which is another word for faith. We're all on this journey, and none of us quite know where it's going to. Not in this world. We know where it's going to beyond it, and that's actually our goal. And we can be on quite a funny journey to get to it. But that's the ultimate place that Christ is taking us to. I've been thinking this week, too, about something that um, I heard preached many years ago, and I don't know what brought it to the fore again, but it's been repeated, is that we're journeymen. It means that we're on a journey. We don't belong here in this world. That's why I struggle with the world out there, because the way they work is not the way that God works, and it's not the way I want to work. And I have struggled lately. I've uh, been in the position where I know I've lost my temper and I shouldn't have done. And I keep thinking I've got to avoid this. I've got to hold back. But at the same time, I've realized more and more how separate I am from that world out there. Because I'm afraid the standards of the world aren't the standards I want. I want God's standards. I do love God, but I want to love him more. I do know some of the mind of Christ, but I want to know it more. Because I truly want to be as close to God and what he wants as possible. And God, as I've said, says to us and tells us that if we can't love one another, we can't love him. That's a challenge within itself. But part of that challenge is actually understanding what love is. Now, one of the best examples of this that I've heard said many years ago was actually to love somebody doesn't mean you've got to like them, which seems a bit of a contradiction. But it's true. Because my idea of love and what God's put on my heart, love is wanting the best for somebody. So even this man outside in the world who's mucking us about over this car, I actually do feel sorry for him. And I do love him because actually he might be my enemy at the moment because of the trouble he's causing me, but... I don't want to see him lose his job through his stupidity because that's what it will be. But that's where he could end up. And I think, why can't he see what he's doing in the place he's putting himself in? And it's the same within the church itself with believers. Our love should be, somebody might irritate us, upset us, but it should be, why? What's going on in their life? Perhaps there's a problem, perhaps they need help. And also, do we want the best for them? 
Is it the fact we want them put down because of what they've done to us and revenge because that's what it becomes? Or is it the fact that actually I'd like to see them move on? I'd like to see them get closer to Christ. And it's the same with God himself. Sometimes we can wonder what God's doing in that and sometimes what we want to do is try and look behind what God's trying to do. Don't look at what's coming at the front. Look what's behind what God's doing. So when we're going through trials and tribulations, which, again, Keith was talking about this morning, we do go through them. Why? Is there any good coming out of it? Again, the Bible says everything will be turned to good. So what, what good's in that? Actually, it's strengthening us and teaching us. My question at the moment is the stuff that's been going on with me and Catherine over this last 12 months, what are you teaching me, Lord? Yes, I'm irritated by some of the things that are going on, but the question is, what are you trying to teach me? What do I need to know? How do I need to grow within this? Are you trying to change my direction? Are you trying to make me think more? Is this to help somebody else? Because sometimes we go through stuff so that actually somebody else comes along and we can help them. Catherine can testify that, to that through her own personal experience, particularly when we lost our um, last son. So, if we're having the mind of Christ, we've got to keep close to God. We've got to be close to, to Christ. We need the Holy Spirit to guide us. We need to be in the Word and to understand what it's saying. And if you read through particularly the Old Testament, you get these, if you like, some kinds of extremes sometimes, how God tries to teach people. Even some of the prophets, they went and prophesied, but then actually they were punished because they did it not quite in the right way. Or they went somewhere they weren't supposed to go to after they prophesied. And you think, whoa, that's hard. And you think, yes. But the point being really is that God wants us to keep in touch with him and to do things the way that he wants them and when he wants them done. So church isn't about us doing what we want to do and it isn't necessarily doing what we want to do. Church is about serving God in any way that he wants us to and in any place that he wants us to and in any way that he wants us to. I've shared with quite a few people this, that I often ask God for direction, and when he gives me direction, the biggest question is how. At this particular moment, I know what God's asking me to do, so I'm asking him now, how do I do it? And it's an ongoing thing. I don't presume that I, because I'm doing this today, that I'm doing it tomorrow. I don't presume because I did something one way last year, he wants me to do it the same way this year. I'm not clever. I need to connect with the mind of Christ. And that's what I believe God is asking us to do more and more. For us to grow as a church, we need to grow as individuals. And we need to spread that word out from this church. And it never stops. I've been a Christian for over 30 odd years and I've still got a lot to learn. I'm still learning from different people and God's still doing things in my life. It's an ongoing process all the time. But within that, hopefully God can use me to help other people. 
We want to see more people come through those doors. At the times that we'll be going out to try and draw people in and give them the gospel, we still need to be strengthened to do what God wants us to do. We still need to be corrected where we're wrong. Again, the Bible says that if God doesn't discipline us, we're illegitimate children. So I'm afraid there is discipline involved. God has to get hold of us sometimes and shake us pretty fiercely sometimes to get our attention. I'm quite amazed at how many times people have come back to me months after we've been saying something and said, I realize what you were saying there. And you think, crumbs. <laughs> but God's been working at them for a long period. It's not just been us, it's been other people. And that's human nature, I'm afraid. We're all a bit like it. I don't know why. Some of it's a bit good in one way because we're supposed to test everything. And sometimes we forget to do that. We've got to make sure it is from God. So it's not good enough for me to say, I'm doing something and I've got the mind of Christ, so that's my excuse for doing it, because actually the Bible says we've got to test everything. So I need to make sure it is the mind of Christ that I'm working in and not my own mind, or just taking somebody else's word for it. So we're called to love God with all of our being. And I think that's a challenge to all of us. That's a challenge to me. But that's what God wants from us. But the amazing thing is, he loves us more than it's ever possible for us to love him. And he keeps showing us that. And we've just got to be grateful for it. Kumbhalali said in the, in the prayer room, but he felt we should make a, say a prayer of thanksgiving. That was so spot on. And as I prayed in there, and it's something that actually has been with me all week, is the fact that we exist because God created us. This world exists because God created it. This universe exists because God created it. So we only exist in any form, and everything else only exists because God created it. And to me, that's quite a sobering thought. Let's pray. Father God, I know that you're just such a marvellous God, Lord. I, I can only speak from personal experience the way that you've led me, Lord, and the way that you've brought me from where I was to where I am. And I just know, Lord, I've got to go on further, and I ask you to, to do that in my life. And Father God, I ask you for all of us here, Lord, to reveal yourself more and more to us all. Help us get to understand you in deeper depths than we ever imagined, Lord. Help us to really have the mind of Christ. Because, Lord, your ways aren't our ways, so we do need to get closer to you, Lord. We ask you to open our hearts and our ears and our minds to you and to just to come to a clearer and better understanding, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.